Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Now, before I go on the preach, I want to show you a, a one minute and a bit uh, video, and then I'll uh, hopefully it'll make the point of the whole message. I think it would. So let's watch this together, Dennis. There are moments when you want to quote uh, where there seems to be no way. God will make a way. <laughs> he definitely made a way for his name is Stephen Bradbury, uh, Winter Olympics 2002, Salt Lake. It's called the most unexpected gold medal in history, as you can understand why. <laughs> unexpected because judging by the way the race was going, he was behind and only a miracle <laughs> could make him, make him win the winner. And that's exactly what happened. A total, total miracle. Someone observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. And the difference between those who succeed and those who fail is not found primarily in talent, but in diligence and faithfulness. And Lydia is such an example. And I think there's a lot uh, that we can uh, understand from Lydia's life. I'm sure she can relate to Stephen Bradbury, to this guy, but I, I think we can all relate to Lydia this morning. As I was preparing this message, I was like, yes, I want to know about someone like Lydia who actually created history, and I'm minding my words. She did make history, as I'm going to show you this morning. So let's read from Acts 16, 11 to 15. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Naples, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we, were supposed, where, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, I want us to all relate to Lydia. And I, can, I, am, I am sure that all of us can relate to her life. And I want to show you and to encourage you this morning that having a normal life, can actually produce great impact in God's kingdom. And Lydia is such an example for us. I am, I am a dreamer. I'm that kind of guy who's always thinking big, dreaming big. And I always sort of pray to God and I'm hoping deep down in my heart that he's going to use me and use my life as he's molding my heart, renewing my mind to really bless the lives of many. And that's, I've, I've always sort of been like this. I like to dream big. And I, I want to hope that God is going to do great stuff in my heart. And this week we started our small group. It was amazing. It was such an, I, I don't know, spiritual, intimate presence of God in that place. I enjoyed so much listening from Scott's experience, for example, from what Hannah and Daniela were sharing about God calling us. In such an, an amazing environment where we just sit together around the table, having some snacks, and just say, this is what God has done in my life. Normal people with normal life stories that God is going to use to do great, great things. And to be honest, I'm also on a journey of trying to understand a bit more and discover a bit more about what God's mission for my life is as well. And all my life I've been surrounded by people who didn't really believe in me uh, because I wasn't necessarily the smartest and I'm still not the smartest. 
uh, I was never the most talented guy and not even the funniest guy, even though I always try to pretend I am all that to just impress people. But obviously, it doesn't always work. <laughs> but growing in this kind of environment, I developed in my heart a desire to challenge the status quo. And I'm, I am like, for example, there, in fashion says that you should never wear, wear white socks. And I, don't, I will not look at what you're wearing. Because just, and I have this debate, <laughs> Aurora, Sophia, sometimes. But I like to wear white socks just to defy the status quo, you know? So I'm that kind of guy. Uh, because I, I like to do things differently as well. <laughs> but God is not impressed by my qualifications or qualities. God is not impressed by positions, titles, or experience. God didn't choose the elite to make history. Think about Jesus' crew if you want, all right? Imagine if... Uh, after spending all night in prayer in the desert, Jesus comes in the market square and says, guys, I'm going to start a ministry that is going to impact the world. Please send your CVs to my assistant and you can send your letter of recommendation. And if you know of any friend who could qualify to be part of my team, just let them know. I can guarantee that Peter would never make <laughs> the team and no one would ever recommend Matthew, the tax collector, because he was corrupted. It's not someone you want to... Make a, it's not someone you believe that can become uh, history makers, okay? But Jesus doesn't see things this way. And they did make history because Jesus believed in them. Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus himself spoke to him in person. Dr. Luke experienced Jesus' ministry firsthand, and Timothy was Paul's favorite disciple. And if we think about... Uh, when we speak of world changers, names like King David come to mind, Abraham, Moses, Prophet Isaiah, the disciples, and many others. But we never think of Lydia as someone who made history. I, I, I personally never heard this, but I want to show you that he, Lydia, as a normal person, created history in this world. And we are actually a very much fruit of her faithfulness, as we're going to see this today. As I was praying for this message and studying about Lydia and looking at her lifestyle, I realized it is easier for us to relate to her than to relate to Paul. Because Paul tends to, or has been made, a stereotypical uh, minister and leader. And when I look at him, I'm like, I'm so not like that. I have no chance to ever be like him. Though I sort of desire it somewhere in my heart. But when I look at Lydia, I say, mm, this is different. Because she was a normal person with a normal job and a simple life. And by simple life, I don't mean shallow life, but that means she, she could do and she was doing everything that you and I are doing. She had a simple life. And through her simple life and faithfulness, God impacted the whole world. God chose a normal person to make history. You may look at great preachers and great names. You may look at their ministries and their followers on Instagram. You may look at their churches. I, and maybe like me, you look at the conferences they're invited to speak at. And, and then like... I don't have any chance. They're so out of my league. And I, I, they are definitely out of my league. Anyway, but I'm, I'm out of their league, right? Sorry. So I have no chance, basically. To, to what, what chance does someone like me have to impact the lives of millions of people? Balida is an example that shows that we can actually do it. And the key thing to this is faithfulness to God. Now, Paul had a certain pattern when he came to preach in the gospel. Usually, he was coming to a new town, and he was going to either the synagogue or the, or the building where people were meeting to pray. Because that's where there would be most people, right? Like if you'd come today, you'd either come on Sunday or on Wednesday at 8 p.m. at our prayer meeting, you know, if he wants to come to preach the gospel in Brom. Because that's where he expects to find uh, people, right? So this is what he does. The difference was that when he went to where he supposed the prayer meeting was, 
there was no building there. And the reason because that there was no, no building is because Jewish law said that then there needs to be at least 10 men, 10 Jewish men in that town before you actually have a place of worship or a, a prayer meeting building. And the thing is that it's not the way Paul was doing ministry because he usually goes and finds men, speaks about the gospel and declares God's truth. This time, he goes by the riverside and he finds a group of women praying. Already not the usual pattern in which Paul was doing ministry as well. So I want to show you this, that Lydia was, didn't let her culture def define her actions. All she wanted with her sisters in Christ was to pray. And she was not letting anything, no laws, no, no status quo define, define what she has to do. She really, really loved God. And this is what she's doing. So Paul comes and he sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And this is where Lydia steps onto the stage, if you want. Lydia's business was to sell purple goods. And she was coming from the town of Thyatira. And most probably her business brought her to Philippi, where she was trading and doing business. And I want us to identify some traits from her life. And I, I, I can promise you, you can all relate to probably all of these traits. It is easy for us to identify. And I would even dare say it is easy for us to live like Lydia did. So that's why I want us to be really, really encouraged this morning. First of all, she had the prayer lifestyle. It says on the Sabbath day, there was a place of prayer. So one of the first things we learn about Lydia is that she was devoted to have a lifestyle of prayer. And I'm saying devoted because that's what was normally expected for people, to meet on a Sabbath day to pray. So that shows that there was a habit in her life of just meeting with her sisters in Christ and pray. She was devoted to a prayer lifestyle. A woman who was too busy not to pray, as Bill Hybels puts it in his book. In all her business of her life, she found time to pray. She didn't let her culture dictate her actions. Just because there weren't 10 men this doesn't mean she cannot pray. Like, come on. You know? She was defying the odds a bit there. She was defying the status quo. Just because she was a woman, does this mean that God cannot use her? She didn't let that culture really define what she has to do with her life. She was devoted to God. She was devoted to pray. And nothing was going to stop that. Because she really, really, really loved God. She was simply in the habit of going to prayer meetings. Because she would be strengthened by God. And she would not do otherwise. And I like how... Uh, Charles Spurgeon puts it, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. And it sounds a bit strong, but, but the point is this, that if you expect God to hear you, he will most definitely hear you. And when we come to prayer meeting, we're just actually making a statement that I am expecting God to do something in this place. When you, we're here on Wednesday or when we're here right now, I'm expecting God. My presence in this place shows that I'm expecting God to say something or to do something new in my life. And Lydia had this type of attitude. I'm expecting God to do something great in my life as well. Their prayer meeting was not full of uh, like thunderbolts or God speaking with a God voice. You know? It was a normal prayer meeting. She, was, she wasn't hyped by Christian conferences. You would not see LydiaMinistries.org website. She would not preach on Christian channels. She was a normal woman, a normal human being, if you want, with a normal life that God has done great things through her as well. So secondly, she had a normal job. She was a businesswoman. And I say normal job. So she wasn't a pastor. She wasn't a minister. She wasn't like Paul. And all these are good. 
But I want us to be encouraged that in the simplicity of our life, in the normality of our life, God can do great things to us as well. They knew her name was Lydia. They knew she's from Thyatira. And they knew that she's a businesswoman. So this shows that they spent some time knowing those ladies there. You know, they, they didn't just let us preach to you. Which shows again what happened in a small group, if you want. We just got to know each other. She's Lydia. She comes from that town. She's doing business. Okay, I know a bit about Lydia. Why is this important for us? Well, it's important because Lydia just had a normal life. That's it. She was as busy as you and I can get. Historians even say that she probably inherited her business from her late husband. So she was widowed. She inherited the business. She had the people she was paying for her business. She was trading. She most probably had kids as well. That's what the historians say. So she had a full plate. <laughs> Can anyone relate to this? She had a group of ladies that she was going to at least once a week to meet. Can we relate to this? Yes. So she had a normal life, kids, employees, business, trading, life, prayer meeting, ladies, friends. She was exactly like you and me. She, exactly, she, she, was, she wasn't a traveler like Vajravadomin Gypsy, but she wasn't traveling like, uh, like Paul around the world. She was there, and she was doing business, and God has done great things through her life. So I want you to be encouraged that a normal person has done great things, and you can all relate to the business of life, to what it means to work, to take care of your families, of kids, and then there are tensions, and then go to church, go to a small group, go to prayer meeting. This is life. And Lydia was living the life that you are living right now, if you want. If she would live in 2017, she would have the same kind of life that you have as well. Then Lydia was a worshiper of God, because Luke described her as a worshiper. What I like about this is the fact that Luke didn't say Lydia described herself as a worshiper. They identified and they observed that she is a worshiper. Imagine if Paul comes down and Lydia goes to him and says, Hey, I'm Lydia, I'm a worshiper of God. Say, Hey, I'm Lydia, I'm a worship leader in this place. No, she was just acknowledged as a worshiper of God. They saw something in her life. They saw that she is a worshiper of God. You know, it's what, what makes us a worshiper of God is having Jesus Christ central to our life. That's, that's the first thing. And then we express it through singing and other stuff. But you don't need to go to a worship school to become a worshiper. You know, that helps. But a worshiper of God is identified by having Christ at the center of their life. Because that's how you can ultimately identify who is a worshiper of God. They are, first of all, a follower of Jesus Christ. An authentic worshiper is, first of all, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I like how John 4, 24 puts it. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So you see, worshiping God is a spiritual act, but it is also defined by truth. That's why if you go to worship school, as I've been when I was a teenager, 10 years ago actually, the, one of the first things they teach you is that worship is not singing, but worship is a lifestyle, right? We, we know that. And it's true. Worship is a lifestyle. But there is a way that you can measure me or can judge me if I'm a worshiper of God. Because that's what they did. Looks observed. She is a worshiper of God. So there must be a fruit of me being a worshiper of God. And Lydia was that kind of person. You looked at her and you knew she is a worshiper of God. Also, my, my lifestyle has to be characterized by truth. And the truth part is not so widely taught in worship schools. At least where I've been. <laughs> okay. There are those who say that theology is not for me. I just want to praise and worship God. The problem comes when we worship and praise God, but we are not anchored in truth. In other words, when we sing songs like, Lifted on high from death to life, 
Forever our God is glorified. Savior and King, rescue the world. This is our God. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it actually mean? I'm singing these lyrics and I'm like, Jesus, you are alive. You rose from the dead. You killed death. You destroyed death. I'm worshiping my God who lives right here and right now. I worship my God who is forever glorified. There is no one like my God. No one can stand against my God. This is the truth about the lyrics that we're singing. And then his Savior and King. Lyrics that we can easily miss. What does it mean that Jesus is my Savior? What, are, what about the fact that he's my King? One of the things when I had a session with Rick and this disciple, is that he, he said many people accept Jesus as a Savior, but few want him as a King. <laughs> and it's true. It's, we would rather have Jesus as Savior, but not as a King, to follow him with everything that we are and everything that we have in this life. If my worship is not anchored in truth, that leads to no... If my anchor is anchored in truth, that will lead to me knowing God intimately. I worship, but I know who I worship. I know why I worship God. And this is really, really important. So I want to encourage you, worship God both in spirit and in truth. Let your lifestyle be characterized by truth and by spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ as well. Then it says that as the Lord opened her heart, she paid attention. And this is, this is encouraging for us because when we speak, we know that God is at work in the hearts of the people and he is going to open their hearts. This is what God is going to do. So I want to encourage you when you speak to the people at home, at work, wherever you are, have this assurance and this trust that God is going to open their hearts. Yeah. And I also like that Lydia paid attention, which is not only saying that she didn't play on her phone while Paul was speaking, but she also was filtering his words. She was paying attention, similar to the Berean church. It says, the, the Berean church in uh, Acts 17, 11, it says this. Now these who were more noble than those in Thessalonica received the word with all readiness on every day examining the scriptures, whether the things were so or not. So what Lydia and her group and the Berean church had in common is that they both had Paul, Apostle Paul, mandated by Jesus Christ himself speaking to them. And even so, they didn't just take it for granted what he was saying. She had a filter and these guys were examining the scriptures. So I want to encourage you, have a filter every time you hear a preach or a preacher and try to assess and understand if his words or her words are actually anchored in the Bible. If people did it with Paul, <laughs> who is probably the greatest teacher in church history apart from Jesus Christ. If Lydia did this and the Berean church did this with him, how much more should we do it when we hear? Because then if I go into my workplace being anchored in the truth and I'm paying attention to what is said and I search the scripture when I go home, then I will know what I'm about. I'm, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to see transformation happen in that place. Because as I communicate, God will change the hearts of people. And I want to encourage you, God is going to open hearts as we communicate life. God is going to change lives as we communicate life. And that life has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. This is what we all have to do at work as well. We need to make a distinction between what sounds good and what sounds true. Always make a distinction between what sounds good and what sounds true. And truth can only be found in Jesus Christ and in the scriptures. That's ultimate truth, if you want, as well. So we need to, what we need to bring in our workplace is truth that comes from an open heart and has been filtered through scriptures. If we, if we marry these two things together, nothing will stop us. And we'll see transformation and change in the workplace. And this is guaranteed because God's mission is to save people. Yeah. That's what he does. And he does it through you and me. So speak. Communicate and God will change and shape hearts. That's what he does with us. 
Then Lydia was baptized, which represents new life. Okay, stepping into something new. Biblically speaking, when someone steps into something new, it first of all draws them closer to God, and then it blesses or redeems the lives that, they are, that are around them. And Lydia stepped into something new. Remember the baptism from last Sunday. How amazing it was when you could see uh, Eunice and Eu speaking of how God transformed their lives. And I remember in the preparation for baptism with Yunisa, he said that he wants to share this light, his words exactly, with every Muslim friend that he knows because he found Christ. And I can guarantee that he's going to see transformation in those places because he speaks from an understanding of what God has done in his life. Baptism, it's a declaration that I'm stepping into a new season, new territory that will bring me closer to God and I'm going to see lives transformed. That's why it's important for us to learn from Lydia. She wanted to be baptized, and she was baptized. It's as simple as that. If you're not baptized, maybe you should also consider it. But she did this. As well. We can do it. That's why we can relate to this. You can be baptized. And if you are baptized, it's amazing. So try to discover what God wants you to do with your life as well. Then Lydia was judged to be faithful, and I like how she puts it. She says, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. You know, we live in a culture today where everyone says, don't judge. We're living in a culture of offended people. But Lydia had the courage to go to mighty men of God, Paul, and says, judge me if I'm faithful to the Lord. How many people speak like this today? How many people speak like this? I want to answer, I want to be in kind, I want to be this kind of person. I say, judge me. I hope I'm speaking a good day. I have the tendency of judging, not in a very good way, and I'm guilty of this. So I'm hoping that God is teaching me to speak truth in love, because I tend to speak truth not with much love at times. But we should all be willing to say, okay, this is who I am. In transparency, I'm not perfect. God, judge me if I'm faithful to you. And I like that she wanted, what she wanted to be judged of is faithfulness. She didn't want them to judge what a good preacher she is, what a great worship worship leader she is, how, what studies she's done, her position. Judge faithfulness. And somehow she probably understood that when she would see Jesus face to face, Jesus would say, good and faithful servant. Because that's what Jesus judges at the end. That's what Jesus measures in our lives, faithfulness. And we can all be faithful to God. You don't need to go to theological seminar to be faithful to God. You don't need to speak language. You just have to be faithful to God. And that's what changed the world in Lydia's example. So even though Paul only planned to attend a prayer meeting and speak to men initially, what happened is that he met Lydia, who was originally from Thyatira. And she had a business in Philippi. And after God opened her heart, she got baptized. That's a quick story. And you know what is even more amazing? The historians say, and it's documented, okay, Lydia was actually the first ever Christian convert of Europe. The first ever Christian and follower of Jesus Christ in Europe was Lydia, this Lydia. And it all started there at the riverside, where she had a prayer meeting, even though she wasn't supposed to, really, because she was a woman. That's what, that was the culture back then, but she defied the status quo. So she was the first ever Christian. And then we read, I want, you to read, I want us to read Revelations 2, 18, 19. And when I read that, like, wow. So this is what it says. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are like of burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith, and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Who does it, to what church does it speak here? The church in Thyatira. Where did Lydia come from? She was from Thyatira. Was there any church in Thyatira in Acts 16? 
The answer is no. Was there any church in Europe in Acts 16? The, church, the answer is again no. And if you put together the fact that Lydia came from there, and that she was the first ever Christian in Europe, can you see her impact in this world? Just because of her faithfulness. Jesus himself is acknowledging years after, not too many years after, between Acts 16 and Revelation, so it's not so many years, okay? So she, she, no one really dies unless there's something else, but you, you live these years. And from Acts 16 to Revelation, so there was at least one church in Thyatira, at least one church in Europe. And even though I cannot prove that she started this church, she must have had, and we can correctly assume, she must have had an influence in that place because she surely went back to her to her town. And maybe like Eunice, she says, I want to share this light with everyone, what God has done in my life. So I want you to be encouraged. A simple person, normal person, has changed the world. And I mean the world. Just because she was faithful to God. And we can all be faithful to God. A woman who was faithful to God with a normal life in the business world was influential in the forming of probably the first church in Europe. Isn't that big? And she wasn't qualified to do this. But God has used her faithfulness to impact the whole continent of Europe. Imagine how God can do, how much we can do for God. And I mean it. Imagine how much you and I can do, because we have the same life that she had. Work, kids, business, bills, all that. And she impacted the world. And as I conclude, I want to read a verse that is dear to my heart. 1 Corinthians 26, it will be to 31. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what, what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in His presence. It is from Him that you, the despised, the weak, the foolish. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us our righteousness, sanctification and redemption in order that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Even ever since I was a child verses 27 and 28 have become life verses for me because I never thought I would become wise and I still don't consider myself as, as really wise. And I was definitely not born out of, I'm not of noble family, trust me on that one. I'm not of noble birth. I couldn't become someone or something in this world. But what this verse is telling me and what I believe that God is telling us all today is that you don't need to become someone, you only need to become to, the, to belong to the one. You don't need to become someone, all you need is to belong to the one, to Jesus Christ. And I like how Paul writes, consider, observe, think about and think about your lives right now. What do you think about yourselves right now? Maybe you used to think big. Maybe you had great expectations about what you can do in your life. Maybe what was once a dream now became an illusion. What you were once hoping for, you're now skeptic about. What you once believed you could do, you're not afraid. You are now afraid trying, of trying to achieve. Fear came in where there was once faith maybe. Maybe you focus inwardly and the only way you can describe yourself is like this verse is say, foolish, weak, insignificant, despised by the world and those around you. 
Maybe you went so far to believe that you are nothing, that you are no one, that you are not ready, that you are unqualified, that you are rejected, that you are worthless, that no one has any, that you have no chance of doing anything great in this life. Balida tells us it is possible in the normality of our life. It's not about who you are, but about whose you are. So don't be afraid to go out there and speak truth as God opens hearts. Invest in your faithfulness towards God day in and day out. Worship Jesus with everything you are and make him the center of your life. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be the whole of your life. He wants to be everything for you. Go deeper in his word because this is eternal life. That we may know him and we may be known by him as well. God bless you.